Good Wednesday morning, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us in our building, the Macklin Building in downtown Charlottesville. A pleasure to connect with you on a wide-ranging, temperature-changing type of day. It starts off in the low 40s. In fact, when I woke up in the uh, 4 o'clock hour, I saw 39 on the thermometer. And then I look, and it's going to get in the mid-70s a temperature change of 40 degrees, depending on where you live here in central Virginia. Judah Wickhauer gets props as the director of the show. Today's program is going to start with assessed values versus actual values. And we will highlight what is a barometer for valuing property that is a trailing indicator, a trailing KPI. Judah Wickhauer, let's go to the studio camera. Welcome a freshly manicured Keith Smith. Not only the haircut, but the mustache. And I don't have any coffee. This and he's is, got no coffee today. This is show 551, and I don't have any coffee, so watch out. I might be shaking a little bit. Show 551 <laughs> with no java for Keith Smith. Woody Fincham, his beard game on point per usual. The professor, as he's been monikered, is in the house. Good, uh, good Wednesday morning. Keith, um, I'm excited for this. Data is one of my passions. It's how Woody makes his living. Um, I love data with a, with a passion. Where do you want to start? I first want to apologize to Judah because he, he got dumped 21 slides this morning that he needs to go with. Actually, I, I, I want to start with, if you don't mind putting up slide 19. So this is the this is Charlottesville. I was asked by the mayor yesterday. Which, mayor Lloyd Snook, right down the hall. Which is a uh, an honor in itself um, to give me some some give him some information about Charlottesville. And specifically, he was looking for quarter over quarter for 2023 and he wanted to take a look at what the list price was versus the sales price. So on the slides that you guys are looking at, and, and I'd love uh, Woody to kind of dive into it on from his perspective, but you're looking at quarter over quarter from first quarter 2023, and thank you, Woody, for teaching me how to do this because, uh, because uh, I always put the third quarter first, and I now load, I have to put the first quarter first. But if you take a look at it, you know, the percentages are pretty tight, right? You know, first quarter, second quarter was 1%. The last quarter was a pretty big jump. There's about 3.5% the sales price versus the list price. But at the second half of those slides is the percentage of cash sales. Mm. Uh, so that was the three things that the mayor wanted to know. So hopefully I got a little brownie points with the mayor. We'll see how that goes. And uh, But I wanted to kick off and see what Woody thought about it and and drive poor uh, Judah nuts by calling out slides he probably hasn't loaded up yet. I think he's doing it right now, literally. He is doing it Thank right you, now. Thank you, Judah. I appreciate that. Judah's the man. He's got eight arms and uh, three heads right now. He, he and, does. And more importantly, he puts up with this on a regular basis. <laughs> so, Woody, where do you want to start? Um, the most interesting data that I'm pulling off of these, uh, this chart is the the high amount of cash sales. Uh, yeah. It's much higher than I would have assumed because uh, when you look at the region as a whole, I think we were tracking closer to thir just under 30%. Uh, but Charlottesville is uh, is pulling in some serious cash yeah, When we looked at it on Monday, it was kind of like across the board, somewhere around 28%, yeah. something like that. There, There is a slide buried in this 19 that, that looks at the car footprint for that. Uh, but I, I found it interesting that, you know, Charlottesville was a little little bit more cash in it but you know look look at the difference just from first quarter 
to the third quarter. And let's put it back on screen there, Judah. Multiple people asking for the slide back on screen. So what I'm, what I'm referring to is the, the price. Mm -hmm. look, look at that jump from 105 to 585. So at the end of the first quarter, the median sales price was 405 for single-family detached, no new construction, right? This, this is what I do, we do all the time because we don't want to – I learned this word today, by the way, conflate. Oh, conflate. Now, I've got to figure one. out what it actually means, but I'm, I'm working on it. I've learned how to actually say it. Um, and now we ended up at the end of the third quarter at 585. And I haven't done the math on that, but that, I'd say that's a pretty sizable jump. It's a pretty big jump. Yeah. I mean, a little bit more analysis, I think, needs to, I need to say, I'm going to take a look at this on my off time and give you my opinion on it, Keith, but there's something, that's a big delta, and I'm wondering what, what's going yeah, on. Yeah, and, and I wish you would, because I triple-checked it and quadruple-checked it and, and said, wow, that's, that's, you know, that's a, oh, about 100 and... Can we attribute that to upzoning potential? You know, the, the, it could be contributed to Smith, right? So I think that's what Woody is kindly saying. It could be contributed to me. I'm going to, well, while you guys are going to talk, I'm going to check for the fourth time. I, I think you've got these right. Uh, you've done these three times. Oh, these numbers are, uh, I'm, I'm sure the numbers are correct, but what I'm wondering is what's drawing that first quarter differently than the other two quarters. Uh, we got to have a little context with that. Yeah, and what's particularly odd about this, maybe odd's not the, the right word, is rates increased over that period of time. Well, they've, they've been, they've, they've been they've north escalated. of six. Yeah. yeah. Right. And now uh, we're flirting with eight. Yeah. Um, Depending on where you shop, some overate. Well, it, I was, I don't even want to say this out loud, but I was in a meeting yesterday uh, with Dr. Lisa Steravent and a couple other economists. And man, they, they used a 10 word. I, I've been hearing that. And, and my question to the team there was okay, is that changing this? Is that changing this 405 to 585? Is that, is that going to impact? the overall market and of course nobody really knows right you know we're, we're here trying to make our best guesses at these things uh, but everybody's kind of looking from that perspective looking at inventory uh, the volume of sales and inventory dropping and the price is still to increase it which is pretty much what the good doctor said on on Monday. Yep. Johnny Ornalis good morning Woody do you, do you attribute it to to upzoning? It could be. Again, we need some context, and you know, just looking at raw numbers, it's hard to say exactly what's going on. I will add, though, that the amount of cash buyers that we've got, cash buyers are in a unique position because they can pay more than market value if they want to. So that would really drive, um, it could drive it uh, in the direction that it's going. So um, I don't want to say I don't know, but I, you know, I don't want to conflate the data, it's using Keith's word for the day. <laughs> So if you wouldn't mind popping on slide number seven, if you can get to it, that was from Monday. So, so this is looking at quarters one, two, and th thank you, Judah. Quarters one, two, and three. So this is the full car footprint, right? This is what we were referring to earlier. This is the full car footprint. Um, it does include single family attached, detached, and condos. Um, it's, it's, a, it's everything on it, and it only looks at the 30-year fixed conventional versus cash so you know the the car footprints are in at roughly a 28 and we're we're looking we're looking at um 42 last quarter uh in charlottesville and about 36 were, were cash. i'd say these numbers are steady quarter over quarter over quarter marginal difference if for any. the full car footprint for the full car footprint yeah 
And to Woody's point, you know, micro markets matter, you know, details matter. I think what we're trying to do here is just kind of get out a, an overview of the market and an overview of, of the car footprint. And on the other side of the hill, frankly, we've got data slides on Keith Smith with uh, Real Talk with Keith Smith in there that folks can look at it that covers um, all the jurisdictions. But I just kind of wanted to kick today's show off with, with, the, with the good mayor's request. I frankly did not expect to see a 405 to 585 difference. I, I, I didn't expect to see that. So maybe some folks out there can can chime in and, and see why they think that's happened. happened. Multiple people asking for the first slide back on screen, Judah, um, as they digest the first slide, if we can get that back on for those that are asking. Um, and be kind. I have no, I've only had one cup of coffee today. And, and they're asking uh, for us to pick this apart, I'm seeing in, this in, the, in the feed here. So I just ran some quick math. So between 405 and 585, it's $180,000 difference. That's a 44% increase. And to Woody's point, that's... In 90 days. Well, no, more than that. So that was the end of the first quarter, right? So Six months. Six. Okay. Six months. Six months. Six yeah. months, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a short period of time. Yeah. Well, actually, nine months, three, six, nine. Well, remember when you're using end of first quarter. Yeah. To the end of third quarter. So, so that's months. the median. Yeah. That's the median sales price for Charlottesville at, for the first quarter. Well, remember too, we had a bit of a stall coming out of last year. I think that's and what it is. when you're doing central tendency statistics, you're going to end up with you know median is the middle number of yeah. all the transactions. So, it, it could pull it. Um, in, in, in a direction that makes it appear to be more of a change than it really is. And why we had the stall coming out of the holidays last year was the sticker shock yep. of rates upticking. Yeah, and to Woody's point, to you may see the marketplace getting adjusted to the rates upticking is kind of the point you're making here. Well, but, one, one of my good friends who's a loan officer uh, actually ran into him in Wegmans on Sunday, and we were talking about it, and he's telling me that a lot of his customers are acclimating to it you know they're it's the new normal for them and if they want to buy and sell real estate or refinance this is what they have to deal with i'm hearing the same thing so if there's any loan officers listening today to see how that goes i think you know everybody's volume has decreased yeah uh, and you know judah these are way too many damn slides you know that <laughs> Have you figured that out yet, Judah? Uh, there's there's a fair amount of slides right there. Yeah, yeah. well, I, you, you know, did your research. I did my homework. I, you know, it's for for, for days. Um, slide number two, right? So slide number two um, is the single family detached, no new construction. This is the car footprint, so this does not include the other side of the hill. So what that is um, is the medium median sales price, and to to Woody's point, you know that. I think now we need to start looking at averages, uh, but versus the 30-year mortgage. So, you know, you would think I've overlaid the trend line for the 30-year mortgage on that. You would think that in the third quarter of 2023, you know, the price would actually be down a little bit versus um, where we're at at seven. At that point, it was 7.31%. And, and why do you attribute that? Because the rates escalated? I think it would be spot on. I and I think people are getting used to it. You know, people are getting used to maybe this is the new normal. And you know, as the good doctor said, people are buying and selling. You know, we we have clients we're helping, and you know, there's life. 
things that are going on, and that's a majority of what's, what's going on now, that folks are have to move, right? And there's a little bit of this kind of resettling at this, this, this Zoom work from home thing, right? You know, some folks have to come back. So I just think there's a whole market kind of shift on it. But one would think, and just fellas jump in, one would think that as the interest rate went up, sales price would kind of get a little flatter, but I'm not seeing that. Uh, comments coming in. What do you want to touch that? Yeah, I mean, traditional theory would tell you that, you know, when, you, when your purchasing power is diminished the way that, the, I mean, because we've effectively doubled uh, over the last 18 months. And you would think that the, the reaction in the market would be to almost come to a standstill, but it's not been the case. So uh, I would have never thought from a theoretical perspective that we would be where we are right now but life continues babies are still being born divorces happen you know people need to send their kids to college you know so people are, are, are cashing out money and they're they're buying and selling real estate so, so that's where i think I, that's where i think if we take a look at that that slide number two and take a look at that third quarter there's a third of the buyers and i'm just rounding numbers up a little bit depending on the jurisdiction right it's 28 percent across the board but um you know, let's just make it a simple math uh, example. A third of them are cash. I think that's what's impacting that line versus the sales price. So when there's a third or 28% of that $465,000 medium sales price versus the 7.31 30-year um, uh, fixed at you know per the Fed at that point in time, I think that's what's kind of skewing those numbers a little bit. Laura chimes in. Is it Jerry's point of the population increasing or an influx of wealthy? Well, I think that's the point we're trying, at least I'm trying to say. I think, and I'm going to just made a note to myself, I'm probably going to rerun that slide and pull the cash sales out and just out of curiosity hmm. see how that line matches the sales price that didn't have cash in it. Does that make sense? Yeah. What do you yeah. Um, comments coming in here. Um, is there new um, inventory coming on the market that could be new construction that could impact or diminish price point? It's not going to diminish price point by any means. We're, we're going to continue to see an appreciation overall on the market, I think, for, at least for the, the foreseeable future. Thoughts, Keith? Yeah, so uh, again, my lovely 20-something slides. Um, I have one slide, which I will get to it in a minute, which is number five. Slide so, five. So this is the full car footprint, because I've already looked at that. Okay, so let me look at new construction values over the first three quarters of 2023 versus the... Um, the price for non, you know, for existing existing homes, and there's a bit of a delta between the sales prices, right? So we're we're ending the third quarter on an average of five five eleven, and hold on a second, and we're ending the third quarter uh, at four sixty five. So the math difference between four sixty five and five eleven. So they're selling to Woody's point. They're selling for more value new construction than existing existing homes look it more is going to be better but we're a long term away from time away from more. you guys saw the news yesterday the uh, national association of realtors the mortgage bankers association and the national association of home builders 
all pooled resource to, resources together with one signed letter, unified letter, the three outfits to Jerome Powell and the Fed, essentially begging Jerome Powell and the Fed to stop with rate hikes because the fear from the three organizations is a stall in the industry. That made the national headlines there. Um, CPI, we have some numbers coming out tomorrow. We had some numbers come out today. A bit hotter than expected came out this morning. Tomorrow's number is very important, um, which will help determine what, or at least be one indicator of what Jerome Powell is going to do moving forward. Your thoughts on any of this? What do you want to start with that one? Yeah, I mean, uh, trade organizations are doing what trade organizations do. They're looking out for the benefit of their membership. Um, but, I mean, I don't see Powell not doing a hike. I mean, they're getting reaction from the market in a direction that they, that they want it to go. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to sound doom and gloom here, but until they, they're, they're going to, they are definitely trying to make the market decrease somewhat. Um, I don't know how successful they'll be. I mean, the, it, here locally, which, you know, what this show really focuses on is the hyper-local markets, um, we have no indications that we're going to see any change. I mean, you know, Jerry, you always bring up the fact that we've got the data, you know, the new data science school, we've got the new research facilities coming in and all these jobs and, and, and folks coming in over the next five or six years, uh, that just puts more stress on us. I, I just don't see it. Unless we have a major national economic crisis, I don't, I don't see things changing much for us. What do you think, Keith Smith? Well, you know, Woody pretty much said it spot on. I mean, this is what they're supposed to do. This is what we pay our dues to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, there's a little bit of uh, NAR bashing going on uh, around around the nation. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, um, and some of it I feel pretty strongly uh, about. But that being said, uh, without that organization, you know, and its particularly lobbying arm, particularly in Virginia, we would have not stayed open during COVID, right? Mm -hmm. The real estate industry would have been shut down. And just imagine what would have impacts of the market that would have had if the real estate industry shut down. And I'm going to keep on quoting the good doctor, but per her numbers, 20% of the whole nation's gross domestic product is related to what we're talking about. Yep here today. So. I really respected Lisa Sturdivant on Monday's show who indicated during the interview that she purchased at these escalated and elevated um, higher rates. I mean, she, she made a point to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, that here we have an economist. Like the second one in the country. Literally the bright, <laughs> yeah. she's a PhD she's saying, a PhD. look, I bought in this yeah, ecosystem. Yeah, sure. And, uh, she made a point to do that. She made it a point to do that. You know, she added a little bravado to it, like, oh, maybe, 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 uh, you know, the, you know, the the, the good doctor, uh, you know, did it anyway. But look, it's hundred percent right. You know, if people need to buy, they need to buy. You know, it's our job for the folks sitting at this table here is to help the buyers and sellers nav navigate this um, current, you know, market circumstances. And look. Uh, We've all been doing this a long time. Every market's got its own little thing, right? We were talking, what, two years ago about COVID and the impact of COVID and the impact at that point. Now we're kind of in the hangover of COVID. Um, and, you know, we, we will get through the other side of this as we usually, I, I, that's what I call it, is we're in a bit of a hangover thing. And, and I think like all hangovers, um, it takes, the older you get, 
You call this a COVID hangover? Terry Farr giving Woody Fitchum some props in Las Vegas, Nevada right oh, now. Dude. He's a, uh, one of the professors at UNLV in the real estate department. Terry's a good guy. He's watching the program as we speak. Um, do you call this a COVID hangover? Um, I've never heard that term before. I was just chuckling at it because I think it's apropos. Um, you know, I mean, we no one would have ever anticipated COVID to do what it did to the real estate market. I mean, it just put it, was, it, put it on steroids. Uh, you know, the artificially low rates that we had, uh, it was just a perfect storm, uh, to, to borrow a bad George Clooney movie. Um, but, yeah, um, uh, I can't disagree. That wasn't a good movie, right? Uh, I didn't mind that movie. Huh. I mean, they all died. <laughs> I mean, anything with, Marky, a spoiler. anything with Marky Mark in it, I'm just kind of like, eh. Mark Wahlberg was in that. He was George's right-hand person. Yep. He's 100% right. It's kind of like the Titanic. He knew how it was going to end. <laughs> Very true. So I, I, I think when I refer to it, and, and um, actually uh, my better 7-8 said, I wish you wouldn't call it a hangover, but it just that's how it feels. And, and it feels like it's a COVID 3% hangover. And... You know, those of us who are north of six zero, um, hangovers take a lot longer to recover from. Oh, you're talking sixty years old. Yeah. Or a six point uh, interest rate. No, 60 no, years no, old. no. Would 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 be an age thing. I was okay. referring to right the the you know when you were younger you were able to recover from a hangover a lot faster than you can at, at the age of sixty and when you get to an, an age of sixty plus you actually get smart enough not to even get one. So um, uh, you know and I think that's what's going on. To just put it as an analogy, we're kind of we're kind of going through this hangover and relearning things and and. And ending up with a, a bit of a new reality. Uh, I meant to ask the the Lisa this the other day, on Monday, but if you take a look at the you know the HUD average over since 1972, it's 7.1 percent the 30 year mortgage. So we're above the norm, the average anyway. Uh, I just don't see this interest rate going much below five anytime soon. Terry Farr says um, thank you for the kudos, Woody Fincham. Uh, Professor Farr in Las Vegas, um, what's your take on this? Do you see, sir, the uh, rates dropping anytime soon? Do you see us hitting 10%? Do you see the presidential election impacting or changing things? We're a year away from what could be one of the most... How would you characterize the presidential election that's on the horizon, Woody Fincham? Completely nuts. Yeah? Uh, you know... I I don't like talking politics one way or the other. Um, I, I'm one of those guys that if you're very liberal, you think I'm a conservative, or if you're very conservative, you think I'm a liberal. So you're in the center? Sort of in the center. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it's going to be an interesting year, that's for sure. So are we in this ecosystem um, through 2024 and into 2025? Professor Farr says, I was cautiously optimistic due to the election, but no, I do not see rates dropping anytime soon. Um, that's from an insider right there. Keith Smith, jump in. Yeah, so I, 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 I've said this before. I, I think the, as far as housing goes, the national politics or the federal side of things, and, and maybe the good professor will, will um, disagree with me. We have now me. an econ professor at UVA watching the program. Uh, well, both of these professors might disagree with me, but it's been my experience that the federal level uh, doesn't really have a huge impact on 
housing. It's generally the state and the local local levels that have the most impact, and those are the races that you sh I think everybody should be watching closely. I know I know I am, and you know I don't know who coined this term, but you know all politics are local, and you need to go ahead and keep a track on it. The state levels are the folks that are really going to try to to in in impact this in theory the fed is an independent body it runs separately of right. every of everything else but you know you really should be keeping whatever state you're watching or listening to this on your local state and um uh, elections come uh up. this question's coming from grayson so how long is this market going to be this market that's what we're talking about right now do we clear 2024 and sprint into the spring market of 2025 in this scenario? I mean, there's no indication that the market's going to have any big swing anytime soon. I think we're going to continue trucking along the way we, we have over the last year. And, uh, and, and again, unless something major happens in the economy, I, I, you know. What about the world? Well, I mean, that, that affects the, our economy yeah. for sure. I mean, you know, um, Hopefully, we, we continue to, to keep things kind of status quo as far as our social issues and all, you know, political issues here in our country. But, yeah, I mean, a major conflict overseas could definitely affect it. It looks like we're in the middle of one. Yeah. So, um, look, I, 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 I've said on the show multiple times uh, that this is a 510 year correction. The good doctor said a generation before it gets corrected. I, I don't think it's that long, but I think once uh, interest rates start dropping, I think you're going to start seeing inventory pick back up again. Um, in it, I'm, I'm just looking at what came on the market in the last seven days. I've been tracking it. We're at 64 in our car footprint. I can tell you the last several weeks that was in the 80s, so it just dropped uh, down to 64. I think a lot of that is, is you know, the holiday season, the winter season, I think is settled in a lot sooner yeah. than everybody, than normal. And I think everybody's in a hurry up and wait mode on it. But, you know, Z's coming, millennials coming, data science is coming, you know, and less inventory. We haven't mentioned the 11 billion from Amazon. Katie Pearl, welcome to the show. Hey, Vanessa Katie. Barkill, Dr. John Shave, Chad Wood, James Watson, Georgia Gilmer, all watching the program. James Travis is Hackworth. watching from... Um, England. Travis Hackworth watching in Danville right now. Um, a lot to cover on the program right now. How about this comment that is uh, coming the feed? Is this going to drive more demand to the rental markets mm. locally in Charlottesville and Central Virginia? Woody, do you want to start with that one? That's a very good question right there from Spencer. Well, I mean, it, it really comes down to what, what people need to do. I think we're going to continue to see more stress on the rental market, meaning you know, rent's going to go up. Uh, particularly if, if we can't build more homes. Uh, I mean, folks that are coming here for new jobs and things of that nature, they've got to live somewhere. And uh, if they can't buy, they're going to rent because uh, they have to be here. Uh, I mean, you know, I've got several friends that work at the, some of the GSEs like Fannie and Freddie uh, on the appraisal side, and they, uh, they all live somewhere else but all own real estate in, right around the campuses for both of those, uh, those entities up in northern Virginia. And so they'll come in and stay for a while and do, and do that. Will we, will we see that kind of transient housing here? Probably not. We don't have the supply for mm. it. But, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have enough to meet the demand. And with more students coming in, you know, you know, we talked about midterm rentals and short-term rentals, you know, on Monday, uh, which I got a couple of phone calls about midterm rentals. When, really? Because I, I guess because I brought it up. But, um, but, you know, students 
revenue much better than normal right. long-term leases. So, you know, if if the landlords and investors start going in that direction, it takes even more viable um, uh, single-family housing off the market. Uh, the response for Keith seems like rental va- rental price points are upticking. Yeah, so thank ha- you, Spencer. Thank you, Spencer. I haven't had a chance to, to dig into that. You know, the you know, uh, poor, poor Judah hates me about it at the moment. I don't want to throw many more slides on it, but we can take a look at that. Unfortunately, um, um, Car and and Paragon does not do a great job of the rental the rental market. I I will jump in from more of a macro perspective. Woody, did you attend the um, session that the chief economist from the National Association? Oh, Dr. Home, Yoon, yeah, I was there. N- no, from the Builders Association. When when yeah yeah when you yeah, did that, said, I do that every year. So it was interesting that. The, and I've heard this at the CEO event and from other other conversations. There seems to be a cooling down on the multifamily side well, of things. Well, they were built. So you want to take a dive into that? I mean, for nationally, a it's been it's been a, it's been a problem. Um, here locally, I don't think we've got enough. No, uh, yeah. we do not have enough. Well, we don't have enough, but I think you know the, this interest rate that Powell's. They're going to bump it. I'm confident of it. It impacts that drastically. Sure. That market drastically. Well. Let's let's be you know specific here. It impacts new construction and multifamily. It does not impact existing and multifamily. Existing and multifamily that's already built will see values escalate. Got it. Got it. New construction will be impacted because debt service becomes more expensive. So I'm looking at a growth. You know how are we going? My thinking is is let uh, talking about is how we're going to grow beyond this existing inventory, right and the multifamily side of things, I think locally you're going to start seeing the brakes getting hit because uh, unless these are folks that are doing new projects that are cash, which is usually not the case, right. um, you know, these rates increases impact. It also in- impacts development projects, again, unless they're cash on it. Um, and those are all few and far between that, that do that. So you're going to start seeing a cool down. And ultimately, I think that's what the Fed wants, right? The Fed wants new construction, wants the housing market to somehow or another hit the brakes a little bit. But it's not, clearly not happening. Volume is happening, but value is not happening. James Watson says he's in Charlottesville. Oh. Your niece is in England. I, I thought I saw pictures of him in, in England. Hey, James, how Bra- you doing? Brandon Ertle watching the program. A couple of media outlets watching the show as we speak. I'll throw it back to Woody um, as Spencer is asking us to dig deeper on this. He sees the rental market, the um, asking points upticking on yeah. apartments.com, um, and he's seeing the inventory available for rent on this particular website yeah. diminishing in options. Yeah. So he's percolating and he's asking for the panel's opinion on this that the demand for rentals is upticking here locally. Um, and it could have an adverse effect of what's doing with the for sale market. Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, the two things are interrelated. Uh, you can find correlation there all day long. Um, when people are going to come moving into a market like this, like when my wife and I moved here when I was the deputy, became the deputy assessor in Albemarle. We rented a piece of property for three years before we bought. Uh, we weren't sure if Charlottesville was going to be a destination that I would spend a, the rest of my career at. Um, we have Thank to, you for making that decision to we, stay here. We, we love Charlottesville <laughs> we do like Woody. And, and decided to buy, and yeah. you know um, that helped. But um, that's where folks coming in for these new jobs are going to probably start as rental markets. Uh, you know, if you've got your kids enrolled somewhere, you may want to spend the first year here. You know, 
kind of as a remote um, working away from your family and then moving your family here when, when you can. Um, you know, because I mean, my first housing when I got here before I moved the family up, I was living in one of the quads over at uh, Eagles Ridge or Eagles Landing. Eagles Landing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was you know, it was weird, you know, sharing space with a bunch of other students. But uh, you know, I'm in you know my in my late 30s at that point. So, uh, but yeah, it was it was neat. Uh, Michael Coyle watching in Lafayette Hill, Pennsylvania, right oh, now the, of the Coyle Group. The appraisers watch the program when the Professor Woody Fincham is on the show as we speak. Keep the questions coming in, guys. If you have any questions for the panel, relay them live on air. A boatload of realtors watching the program. Let's highlight Kelly Jackson on the show, Bob Yarborough on the show, Dr. Karen Wolf, Dr. Downey watching the program, Jesse Rutherford watching the program, Donna Price, Peter Krebs of the Piedmont Environmental Council, Ray Cadell, Andre Xavier, Trip Stewart, who owns a boatload of real estate watching the program. Keith Smith, jump in. So, um, <clears throat> again, I just looked real quickly on what's available in Paragon, right, on apartments. Again, it's it's not a plethora, another big word, of the, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what it means, but it sounded good. Good job. Uh, so there's 38 total available for lease on Paragon, right? And it's everything from detached to multifamily. There's 38 available. 38. You, you should highlight it. You hear that? 38. That yeah, is but, a minuscule but, but, number. But that's in Paragon, right? That, right? Par Apartments.com is the one you want to check. Yeah, and, and, and I don't have quick access to that, so I just wanted to do some quick access. I can give it a whirl. But, but the re what I wanted to bring up is that there's 38 if you were in Paragon and if you were going to use a real estate professional to help in the city of Charlottesville. The average is two bedrooms, one and a half baths, 1,300 square feet, uh, renting for an average of 2232. They're asking 2232. That's a lot of money. Two bed. One and a half baths. This is the average, right? This is. I'm just looking up what Paragon Paragon aggregates for me quickly, and, and just reading it raw right off the right off the sheet. Here. Uh, the viewers and listeners are sharing links to rentals in the market with dozens of them, over three thousand oh, dollars per yeah. month. Yeah, I can see that. And the Charlottesville metro area, over three thousand dollars a month. Yeah, yeah, and 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 unfortunately, and we'll have to kind of figure out a way to do this for another show it's just difficult to aggregate that it's kind of like having the commercial conversation right there's no singular location like residential sales have on oh his eyes just popped up i mean the, they're it's flowing um it's flowing right now so it's much like commercial right you you know it, some of it is uh, closely held listings and sales and some of them are at arm's length some of them are not on commercial so as far as rentals go uh it's it's difficult to aggregate that all in there and i'm seeing woody looking at apartments.com yeah there's a lot of stuff on the market in the city but um you know we're uh, we did a package earlier this year of 20 some uh, rentals and we're, we've just bid another one that we're going to get at 47 uh, for one owner group so um, I mean there's definitely a lot of privately held stuff and they're all going through you know local management companies which they don't share that information that's exactly right that's the point I'm trying to make so this is an interesting question that's come in the feed thanks Woody does the uh, this is a very good question right here that I would like to unpack Thomas thank you for this and I understand um, I mean I know Thomas well um, the man has a crap load of real estate that he owns. Um, and he says, for the panel, with an expensive um, purchase environment, 
for existing or new construction, our prediction is this is going to drive even more demand to the rental market and the investor market, especially those of us that can pay cash to purchase yeah. properties and bring, bring rentals to market that are ready from day one, clean, organized, well-marketed, and appealing by location. Please talk about this. You want to jump in? Um, I mean, if I had a bunch of cash sitting in a pile right now, I would be looking at this upzoning and uh, as an investor going in and buying anything I can that's got enough land area to add some accessory dwelling units to it. And those things revenue really well. You already got your land. Uh, you know, the, the, it's relatively a lower cost thing to get into and to do uh, compared to buying raw land and, and building brand new. So, I mean, I, that's where I would really be looking, which, you know, uh, we've seen some movement in our office, you know, with some of our clients over the last six, seven months. So, um, um, I know that we'll leave the who out of this because they've asked me to do this, but we just closed, uh, yes, no, hold it, Monday on uh, exactly that. Um, right kind of on the edge of, uh, let's call it in the Johnson Village area of, of a piece of property. It's cash. Um, and they're actually um, going to put an apartment in the base, basement, uh, keep an apartment upstairs. Right, um, right now, f frankly, it's actually zoned R2, so they can do it by right at the moment. Uh, but the goal is, is when the up zoning happens, they'll put an ADU in the back auxiliary dwelling unit because we took us a long time to actually find this property because it meets all the criteria. It's easier to develop and build on the back end of it. Um, but yeah, and, and it's cash. It was all cash. Yeah. Thomas follows. Our portfolio is full. We are unable to keep up, and the waiting list is getting longer. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is this. John is, Blair, welcome to the show. Yeah. So this 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 funnel that we're in is just going to get tighter and tighter and tighter as we go to the bottom of the funnel and you know I'm on public record of saying this upzoning I'm in favor of more housing I'm in favor of, of doing that but um, this will be a bell curve it'll it'll prices and availabilities will kind of in, will increase and there'll be a while before we get to the top of that bell curve to start coming down there has to be a certain amount of mass Produced, in other words, a number of units before it impacts value and, and that number starts dropping down, barring any unforeseen thing that nobody knows knows right. about. I, I, I think the impact it's going to have is it's going to make things way more expensive in the short term. Well, that's what I'm talking about. And I think the inventory that's going to be created from upzoning potential is going to be, as Keith said, a very slow slog as it comes to market. Yeah. Because if you're going to create new inventory, you're likely going to finance it and who's going to finance it in a market where well, interest rates are at? I mean, financing is, for new construction, yeah. especially speculation, yeah. you're looking at a rate that it'll be over 10%. Yeah. It's generally one to two points over prime. Right. I borrowed enough of it in my life. So you're talking <laughs> over 10% there. Yeah, yeah. So, so the cash, you know, cash is king. The cash, the folks that have the ability to buy cash are going to do it. Um, the bell curve, there's going to be two bell curves, I think. Bell curve one is going to be valuations, valuations or sales price. It's going to increase rapidly. The lower, the smaller bell curve is actually going to be inventory, the impact of the inventory. That's not going to run up parallel, the bell curve of inventory versus the bell curve of price. But it, there's, there's some undetermined period of time. Eventually, they're going to catch up and then start coming, coming.
coming down. Kate Sharks, the Queen of Ivy, watching the program. Lauren and Keswick watching the program. Spencer Pushard, hello. Marquise Johnson, Bellamy Brown, Mozzie of Real Estate 3, welcome to the program. Josh Tracy of Real Estate 3, welcome to the program. Mark McKinney of the Crozet Advisory Committee, welcome to the program. Juan Sarmiento, welcome to the show. Atlanta's in the house through Cicely Gay on the program right now. That's one of my alum from high school. Giving Woody Fitchum some props. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if there's a topic you want us to cover, put it in the feed. We will relay it live on air. Multiple people have been taken aback by the 10% number that Keith threw out earlier today. Do you want to go down that yeah, road? Yeah, it's... Uh... He's talking 10% on a 30 fix yeah, with yeah. potentially good credit, ladies and gentlemen. And, and um, I'm stuttering because, you know, but there are discussions out there that, that there could climb to 10%. Um, we brought this up, oh my God, six or nine months ago, if I remember correctly, um, that, you know, there, there is a possibility of that. And I think we had a discussion about, well, if it goes to 10%, will that impact negatively impact the market? Um, look, I, I, I think a lot has to happen before we go to 10%. I, I think we're going to hit 8%. I don't know, uh, Jerry, if any... We're at it. We're, we're pretty much there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if any uh, mortgage brokers are watching. Michael Buchensky, jump in. Yeah. So I, I don't know if the current 30-year mortgage rate has already baked in the next projected increase from the Fed. You know, they've baked that into the market. If that's the case, then we might be hovering around 8% plus or minus for the rest of the year. It's just my guess at this point. Um, if it hasn't, we run the risk of going north. Two years ago, I had a conversation with a president of the bank and said, watch out, 9% is coming. And he was right. It was a she. She and, was right. And... and uh, I poo-pooed it at the time and, and, and was along the lines of everybody else, nah, it'll never go above 4%. Well, I was wrong. So, you know, a lot, a lot of this is uh, crystal ball stuff, which we should break out. Well, you know, it's clear and, and we're no, you know, we can't see into the future. It would appear that um, Jerome Powell wants to keep rates elevated for an extended period of time to make sure that he truly squashes this and not make the mistake of previous Fed chairs where they've ripped the Band-Aid off too soon, which led to more inflation or persisting inflation. Yeah, so, so historically, they put the Band-Aid on too late, right? And, and then th rip it off too soon. They rip it off too soon. Right. Yeah. And that doesn't eradicate or alleviate the inflationary <laughs> pressures. So the couple of professors that are watching, and if they can think about this, it would be great. Um, one of the conversations we had with Lisa on Monday was, is from my perspective, this kind of feels like a 1980s real estate market a little bit. And I'm just curious how they, how they read on that. A lot of folks are making that call where home values did not drop. They escalated. Yeah, but not a 80s, lot. Not a big percentage. They, they escalated. And, and they're comparing it to the 80s as opposed to 2008 yeah. where we had a glut of inventory and yeah. values actually dropped. Yeah. I, 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 if, as one who lived through the 80s uh, and bought their first home in the 80s, um, it feels more like that to me than, than anything. What do you think, Woody Finchin? I mean, I'd offer some perspective, but I was still playing with G.I. Joes in the 1980s. Um, I mean, looking back, you know, um, 
what I, what I know about the period. I think I just got I mean, cold old. The, uh, at the end of the 80s, you know, SNL crisis, the SNL crisis yeah. happened. So we reacted probably in not, in not a great fashion as a country uh, as a whole. Um, I mean, the creation of licensure in the appraisal field was a result of how badly the savings and loans. I did loans. not know that. Yeah. And we, we became, 1991 is when we, uh, we started doing licensing nationally. Really? So it was a that. result of SNL. Because you'd have folks uh, like loan officers at the bank would go out, take a Polaroid picture of a building, and then write a value on the back of it, and that was the appraisal. Uh, it wasn't not a lot of good diligence going on. And I thought two thousand four, five, and six was bad. That's I did not I did not know that. Yep. All I was was thankful to get eighteen percent for a mortgage and, and close on a house. How I got there, I couldn't give a, give a well, darn. Well, yeah, the market always reacts. You know, it was interesting to to read about how many people were doing holding back. The sellers were holding back seconds and people yeah. taking uh, assumptions on, on mortgages. And I think like that's that. coming back. It, it very well may. Uh, I talked to uh, and I believe he's watching the program right now. Won't utilize his name. He is um, about assumable mortgages. Uh, and assumable mortgages are a tricky position yeah. for the mortgage broker. Because there's not a ton of revenue to be made in an assumable mortgage for said broker. And if the assumable mortgage does not go according to plan, the transaction, the broker then has to decide, is this little profit that's on the table worth it if this deal implodes? And and the second part of that is most of your loan documents won't allow it. Yeah, so the assumable mortgage, according to this individual, yeah. uh, does not believe it's going to have a ton of momentum. Although I'm seeing some properties on on car on the yeah. local MLS being marketed in the first and second sentences as assumable mortgage potential. So are I, you seeing that? I, I am, but I, I may be wrong, and I have not done a detailed dive into that. And again, the loan officers should help us with this. Um, I think VA is one of the few yes. that are assumable. I was going to mention that. Right. Um, I think everything else is going to be really... The VA does stuff that a lot of folks don't do because they have the best interest of the veteran borrower at heart. You know, I've been a VA panel appraisal for many years, and our chief, I know the chief appraiser, uh, Jim Heslett, great guy, uh, old sergeant from the uh, from the Marine Corps, guy, just a great guy. But must be really awesome. Anytime you talk to him, it's always about putting that veteran yeah. borrower first. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, assumptions allow someone in a in a position where they need to unload the piece of real estate to get it over to someone who can continue to to uh, have a productive note. And I, I was smiling a little bit when you said I you know, noticed that. Um, about you know the mortgage companies not making enough money. I mean, good God! I mean, they have a license to print money most of the time. So I mean, yeah, yeah, your profit range is going to be a little bit lower on something like that. But in the end, I've not seen any bad uh, data saying that, that you know they're, they're hurting for revenue right now. Um, we were, and particularly the big banks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think the um, and it was interesting because a lot. Uh, Dr. Lisa Sterevent, Yoon, and a couple other economists I'm talking to, this interest rate increase is might be most impactful on the community banks. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Well, I have several community bank clients right now, and yeah. they are a desert for work right now, except for the few that are still doing a few pre-construction things, uh, and then people... Uh, you know, using commercial lines of credit through their local bank to take care of consolidating debt and things like that. I mean, it's no doubt it's going to impact the community banks. Correct. And, and, the, and the conversation was, 
It was an interesting conversation. This was uh, 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 in D.C. around a cocktail that, you know, some of these bigger banks got a, again, this is cocktail talk around a bar, um, got kind of a heads up that interest rates were going to get raised because they have regulators in their offices on a regular basis, um, whereas the community banks didn't, and I think some of them got caught uh, with their proverbial pants when these interest rates started jerking uh, going going up. So uh, we shall see, but it was an interesting conversation, to say the least. Uh, this question's come in. Um, how is this going to impact the commercial market for Woody specifically on Twitter? Um, I mean, that's not really my forte. That's more of a Heather Placer question. Um, Heather was on the show what, a couple months ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know a lot of commercial appraisers right now that are very slow in, in their work. Um, so I, I don't think it's had a real positive impact for, for folks. I, I have a client that uh, we're working on something in Goochland and uh, about a year ago it went from uh, commercial appraisers of uh, – I'll get to you in six years yeah. to I can be there next week um, and the prices are coming down a little bit. Yeah. You know, uh, commercial appraisals tend to be in the many thousands of dollars, yes. uh, if not tens of thousands of dollars, depending on the size of the size of the property. The, so. the follow of this was on Twitter, um, come refinancing with the short-term commercial. To Keith's point, the commercial banks that are holding the bag on any paper with some of these buildings that need to be refinanced are in a tough position. Yeah, because they're coming up. Yeah. That's what the point yeah, on Twitter yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, they're coming up. You want to highlight or unpack what they're talking for the other viewers and listeners? Yeah, so, you know, commercial loans are not 30-year loans, right? They are... Five, seven, ten, and they reset depending on what the interest rate environment is. They reset, and and so think of them in the in in the retail market as an arm, right? That's basically what it is. Now your paint, right? It's an arm, right? It's you've got it for five year arm, seven year arm. At some point, you're going to have to either refinance it or pay it off. Right. Well, that's the same thing in the commercial. Right. It's either five, seven, ten. It's whatever you negotiate, um, and then they get reset, whatever the time is. Typically, they're based on some sort of thirty-year amortization, so the monthly payment is lower. Right. It's not a seven-year IAM amortization. It's typically a thirty-year, but they get reset. And and as these things start coming up, that's why people in the commercial business that I'm talking to are getting nervous because some of these that got you know, refinanced when it was two percent, right? They're they're going to have to hit the refi button at some point. Uh, the follow-up question to that is: What will come of these buildings where the owners cannot carry or afford the debt service? Well, the a lot of commercial debt is held by you know the smaller institutions. They're holding the paper. Uh, they're not. There's no secondary market for them to sell it on, like uh, you see with residential real estate. So what Woody is saying is the building is the collateral for the regional and smaller banks. So they will then have the decision if they want to take the key, the keys, or take over ownership of the building because yes. that is the collateral, or restructure, they rework them, and rework them. Mm-hmm. Which I would bet that's probably what's going to happen because I don't know a lot of the smaller regional banks want. Yeah. Some of these buildings on their balance sheets when office clearly has exposure. No lenders want to be in the real estate. That's business. what I'm saying. They, they don't want to hold Oh, they're lousy at it, too. Yeah. So you may see the folks that are in this position almost play a game of poker with the lender to see, okay, 
do you want to take this over? And a lot of, and, and to highlight this, because I got some colleagues in, in this space now, um, the, uh, a lot of the buildings don't have the same occupancy rates they, they, that they had when the rates were secured at the two, three, four, five percent right. environment. The vacancies have uptick. So you have, you have I, I don't want to call it a perfect storm, but you have values of the buildings potentially dropping. At the same time, vacancies have upticked. At the same time, debt service is becoming more expensive because the rates on said debt service are increasing. That's why this timing is everything, and that's why this conversation that the Albemarle uh, County Board of Supervisors are have, having with this um, developer incentive uh, program, which I'm moderating, um, the low-hanging fruit is starting to look at these commercial zonings to see if they can allow residential in yeah. it. Yeah, Boston just did that. That was the, the biggest city I'm aware of right now, that they're, they're, they're allowing flexibility with office uh, to allow you to convert it over to condos and things of that nature. So take a ride into Scott's Edition in Richmond. Now, it's different. This is industrial. That's industrial, yeah, right? That was set up for an easier conversion, Scott's Edition. Absolutely. Because it, it was a box. It, it, and, they, and I just was there this weekend. And, and if you want to stumble from brewery to brewery to brewery, and and have some good beer and that place is awesome they tore down all these old factories right. and built these multi-story apartments um try to find parking down there by the way the good news is our daughter lives about a mile and a half away so we so walked, you guys walked we walked we walked over so r real quick back on the assumable question so i just took a quick look at the car footprint single family detached no new construction um in all the jurisdictions this roughly was 1800 sales year to date only 144 of them were va so that n the number of that can actually do that is pretty low so you're basically saying that the assumable is not really going to drive the needle that's what you're saying no but jerry uh again to steal our wonderful silver buckshot silver bullet there you go yeah so it, it didn't anything helps is what you're saying well it wasn't a silver bullet that got us here it was a silver buckshot Right, there was multiple things. I'd say that, COVID was a silver bullet. Yeah, but there was all different pieces of that in it that kind of caused it to, to go up. You know, the fact that it takes six years to get a development approved. Right. You know, there's all kinds of different pieces of the silver buckshot that got us here. It's going to take the same thing to get us out. So any individual item will help the whole, in my my opinion. So what are the silver buckshots we have? We have upzoning. We have local government eradicating red tape, or at least trying to. We have assumable mortgages. We have... You're going to have a small amount of foreclosures come into the market. Small amount will, of foreclosures. I think you're going to see the mom-and-pop um, small number rentals kind of get into the market of selling their homes and moving on. on it. I, I know I'm in discussions with some folks putting homes on the market that are doing that because they just don't want to deal with it's costing them too much money for replacements and so forth and so on. So that's going to happen. It, it, you know, it, it's just going to be a, a lot of little things that will take a long time to move that needle forward. How about the policing of the short-term rentals? You know, um, my um, oldest daughter and son-in-law are coming down for a weekend this weekend without kids. Oh, so they're they, not staying at your house? And they wanted to get a hotel room. Okay. 
couldn't find a hotel room in the city of Charlottesville that didn't have a high four, a, four, a 450, 445, right. you know, that, that's, couldn't find it. The closer you got to UVA, the more that number went. And she says, and she's, she's a makeup artist in New York City, and she goes, I don't want to get an effing, you can fill in the blanks on the effing. I don't effing pay that for Manhattan price. Well, um, interesting. Uh, the better half and I are going to Manhattan, uh, the Big Apple in January, yeah. uh, for an extended stay. Uh, I'm going to go up to watch the Tournament of Champions, and she's going to catch up with some of her friends up there. And if you look at the uh, prices for hotels in Manhattan, they are now six, seven, and eights per night. And yeah, a lot of that has to do where with... Where in Manhattan? Downtown? I mean, you know... We're, on the, yeah, we around wanna, Central Park. We want to be in a nice spot. Yeah, the east side. Yeah. If you look at what's happened in Manhattan, a lot of that is tied to um, political pressures... Sure. Uh, ...of housing uh, folks in hotels. Um, and I'm sure we've all followed those storylines. Um, but the hotel shortage is something that's common now. So I know... In first, a lot of jurisdictions. Well, I know firsthand because of the being on the uh, Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission, we look at this, you know, depending on specifically who you talk to at any given time, we're somewhere between three to 4,000 hotel rooms short just yeah. to balance out. That's in the city of Charlottesville. You know, that's in our region in that end of it. But look, you know, if I go to Manhattan and I'm staying downtown Manhattan by Central Park or on the east side of Manhattan or whatever, I'm expecting to spend that kind of money. Charlottesville spending almost that same amount of it's money bananas. is bananas. Uh, this for, so they're uh, staying with us. <laughs> the they're short, staying with you. Is the short answer. Okay. Yeah. Unless, but, unless I paid for the hotel rooms and I said, uh, why don't you stay with us? Uh, Brian Brockman watching the program. He says, I'm watching the show um, in behind, so not in real time. For Woody specifically, he mentioned assessments with jurisdictions are trailing. Can he go deeper down that, how much they're trailing, and why the assessments could be used as a value barometer for homes come market? So if you're using assessments to try to do a barometer on what the market value would be, I would suggest to you not to do that. Uh, they do trail, but it's, it's a matter of perspective. They are uh, statutorily required to do their assessment as of a specific date. So um, because of that, and because... You know, both Charlottesville and Albemarle, they reassess every piece of property in their jurisdictions uh, once a year. And so they have a limited staff. Charlottesville, I think, has four or five people. And then you get over to Albemarle, there might be 10, 11 people on the staff. They're doing, in, in Albemarle, that's 45, 46,000 parcels that they have to reassess every year. So um, they have to stop at some point to start doing the assessment. And when they do that, the, by the time the the, like the 2023 values that went into effect in July 1st of this year, uh, they were finishing that up at the beginning of the fall last year. So they were using market data that could be as much as a year to even 18 months old. So it's always going to trail. So anytime you've got an appreciating market, they're always going to appear lower for the most part. There's always exceptions to this. And when you're in a depreciating market, you're always going to have higher assessments uh, than the market may be able to support as of that effective date. So the date of the valuation is really why that perspective is, it's, it can be misleading. Um, when, I, when I first came to Albemarle, you know, over 10 years ago, this was the first jurisdiction I ever worked in. That's when the market was starting to, to go back up from the Great Recession. Um, we were actually having taxpayers calling in complaining that their assessments were too low because there was that old 
perspective that folks would go, well, I need my assessment to be higher because people are going to try to negotiate because the assessment's lower than what we could se- what we should be able to sell it for. That blew my mind. That I, blows I, my mind because yeah. they're basically saying tax me more. Yep. And then the response to to that would be a resource and sophisticated realtor can explain to the seller, no, this is an assessment and not a true value. This right. is the actual value through the CMA of your house. Actually, you want that. You want that. <laughs> you I want know. That. That's why a lot of people who appeal Ex- assessment except in Fulvana County, because my tax assessed value that. was way above my market value, but we we contested it and won. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but you're also dealing I with... I brought my Uncle Vinny with me, too. But. <laughs> I mean, when you get into the rural counties like Fluvanna, and this is an attack on our leadership in Fluvanna. I love, I live in Fluvanna. I, yeah. love, I love the county. They're not local assessors. Uh, but no, they're third parties, yeah. and they are, yeah. they are hired because they are the lowest bidder to do what they're doing. That's exactly right. But, but it's important because we, we, we do the show almost in the beginning of, of every year or the tail end of every year, right, when, when, or when assessments come out. You know, people don't know. You can contest these. Yes. Right? And that's when you reach out to us or Woody or whoever and you go ahead and do that and every time they come out I do a couple dozen of them they're usually the same people right and there's some new folks and I go ahead and do an assessment for them give it to them and they contest it and they win yeah so you know it's just it, it, it's never good it's I've been doing this for three decades you never compare tax assess versus market value right it's just it just never works out. Uh, his follow-up on that would mean, and I'm responding to it, so does that mean we can expect come 2024 to pay more taxes on our home because the market is, he says, elevating? I think the uh, a different word would be appreciating or values are increasing. Right. Well, I mean, it's a good thing. The market's increasing. I mean, your investment in your, in your property is, is going up. That's always a good thing from that perspective. However, do remember that the assessment isn't your tax rate. Your tax rate is set by the politicians that you elect into office. And every year they take the projected assessment and they, 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 uh, they forecast a budget off of that. So, I mean, whether the taxes go up or go down is dependent upon how the jurisdiction wants to handle that. There it is. So if you go back and look at future shows, I, I, I did a slide, poor Judah, uh, I did a slide with triangles um, showing that this is a four, three, four-sided triangle. Go with, way to go, Smith. A three-sided triangle uh, of it that is the evaluation, the budget, mm-hmm. and then the tax rate, and, yep. and then that equates to how much cash you actually pay. But the, bo- the bottom line is, um, you know, the, the property values are going up. We just we just proved that in in the city of Charlottesville, your taxes will go up proportionately. A hundred percent. Why don't I ask this? Because I'm seeing it on the feed here. Do you expect the values to continue to increase? I think you've been on record by saying they'll increase, but not the rate that they've increased during. And the I think pandemic. I'm probably wrong. I think I'm wrong. I think it's going to increase more than what I thought. I think it's going to be a double-digit year-over-year increase. We, we keep cash buyers at the level that we're, we have them at right now. I, I, cash buyers can pay more. They, they, they well, I'm, I'm going to do that analogy. I think pulling cash out, I'm curious on how that's going to match. But we've got... Well, how about unpack this for the viewers and listeners? I know the answer, but I think it's important for you to unpack it. Cash buyers at the rate that they're buying now why that's going to potentially lead to greater valuation increases year over year. Explain that to them. Well, the market's very reactive. So consumers will see a property in their subdivision go for higher than anything they've ever seen or that they thought might be possible right now, even by a little margin. Then that becomes the... uh, 
what's the word I'm the looking barometer, for? The barometer, the comp, yeah, the benchmark, everybody, the expectation. Everybody's like, hey, you can use, the, that's the new normal now. We, we can sell it for more. I mean, I just did a pre-listing um, consultation for an agent. You should agent. talk how that works a little um, bit. Yeah, sure. Um, but, you know, there was one sale on that subdivision. We actually did the appraisal on it. It sold for $50,000, and this was two years ago, higher than it should have. Um, At that time. Yeah, and because there was an appraisal gap contingency, so they decided to overpay Mm -hmm. for it. Nothing in that subdivision has closed at that amount since. Um, But when uh, potential um, listings are are being looked at by consumers and and the agents are coming out, and all all the consumers are going, well, that sale sold for this much. So that means my property's worth more. It's like it doesn't doesn't work that way, really, Um, particularly as the market's now – you know, consumers are starting to look at things a little more discerning than they were even a year ago. Uh, but you know, um, talking about the service, Keith. I mean, we uh, a lot of times when agents are dealing with um, difficult consumers, um, you can do your CMA, and they may not agree with you. Um, sometimes we'll have folks call us up and say, "Hey, can you do an appraisal for us?" And we do them at different levels. We'll do them from a desktop perspective to a, a ver- to a full assignment where we're going out measuring, inspecting the whole deal. Um, that one started as a desktop. The consumer was not happy with the square footage that we came back with on it. And, uh, and I had actually appraised that property they were talking about putting on the market previously when they purchased it. So we had measured it originally, and then we, we, they, the tax assessors got it at this amount, that we've got it at this amount, relatively similar numbers. Uh, so a desktop valuation ended up me going on site and actually measuring the property because, you know, the consumer was like, well, it's, it's not right. I know we've got more space than that. So, so how did this end? Um, I don't know that they were happy with what we had no, to tell I'm sure them. Of that. Um, how, whether or not it was actually listed at what amount, I haven't looked, to be got honest it. with you. Got it, got it. Well, that's a great service, and, and, and as the world is starting to, 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 to oh, shift a little bit, it's, it's a great asset. I, I recommend folks all the time, if they don't um, see the number the same as we do at that point, is to, to engage a professional yeah. like yourself to go ahead and, 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 and do that. Look, um, I, I, can you repeat the question again? Which one? <laughs> you know, the last one. Oh, I, about trailing, how assessments are trailing, or, you know, a trailing indicator of values and not true values, and can we expect taxes to increase for our homes in the coming years? And then the follow-up to that was, are you expecting single-digit appreciation, like yeah, you've said that, in that previous was, shows, that, versus double-digit appreciation? Yeah, so I, I, I think we've got two and a half, two months and two and a half months left between now and the end of the year. Um, you know, I was thinking that we're going to be seeing probably in the single digits. I think you said three to six percent. I said three to six percent. And and I'm much like I was wrong that we we're going to stay at four percent 30 year fixed. I think I'm going to be wrong on this one. I think you're going to see low double digits, but it'll be in the double digits. And it's interesting. And so, there, And it's important to highlight this. That's compound appreciation. We yep. had year-over-year appreciation yeah, yeah. according to what was it, the Q2 car report, that it was in Albemarle County 11 to 12 percent in Albemarle yeah. County. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that would be compounded appreciation. Yeah. So, so we're, again, at the beginning of the year, we're going to take a, a harder look at this, Woody, and yourself and myself, and, and figuring out a way to, to, to kind of break this down in a digestible uh, well, way. I'm, I'm looking at some data that I ran uh, this morning, and just looking at the last 12 months, this is – 
Albemarle County, no new construction. Uh, I'm excluding anything over a million and anything over 10 acres in this particular analysis because I wanted to get more of the, the median or, 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 or middle class. He wanted to market. get data points that were very tied to each other. Yeah, so I'm double digit right now uh, looking at that. that in Albemarle County. Yep. And that's third quarter 2023 versus third quarter that's, 2022? That's as of yeah, today. 10 to 12 months ago to now. And you're at what, 11%? Ten and a half, eleven percent. I'm just, and I'm doing this in my head. So, uh, but, but about that much. Yeah. yeah. So it's staying consistent, at least, on that end of it. I, I think. And I don't think we've truly, we truly have not seen the influences of uh, big time population influx in a very short term that's coming. But I, I may be wrong, and and some of the other real estate agents watching can chime in. I, I think you're going to see the axis of volume of sales start dropping substantially now. You're going to say that again? So what you're going to do is, I, I think the number of transactions are going to pl start plummeting even more than what they're doing. So if you take a look at that trend line, that trend line is going to start taking a dive to the bottom uh, on it. I think you're going to start seeing, meanwhile, the prices are going to go up on it. But you're going to see, um, I think, this, uh, this tightening of sales volume and, and, and which will be matched to inventory going forward. But I think you're going to see that number start dropping. I'm curious. You buy that, Woody? Yeah, I, I, it tracks with me. I don't disagree with it at all. Well, all you got to do is, is have conversations with loan officers and real estate agents and appraisers. I know you're, you're, you guys are picking up on your business, but, you know, you can just see the volume of business. Um, you know, the conversation is we're down. I expected to be about 30% off this year. I'm going to quite not make that number. We're going to be a little bit less than that, which is good on it. But last this time last year, I anticipated a volume drop of about 30%. I think we're going to be higher than that overall. Our mortgage lending uh, is, is right at 30%. Definitely. Right. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we're at 1130. Time Ooh. flies when you're having fun. Woody Finch and maybe some closing thoughts for those that are watching. Uh, thanks for having me on again, guys. It's uh, it's always fun to get on here and, and kind of cut it up and, and, and talk real estate. Um, just want to let everybody out there watching know, I mean, if there's anything our firm can do to help you, we're, we're more than happy to make ourselves available. Uh, I know the market is difficult to read for some folks and you know consumers can be hard to deal with sometimes on the agent side once again i'll mention the pre-listing stuff that we do and uh, but we're doing a lot of uh, consulting work and valuation work for private individuals as well estate planning things of that nature and uh, we're always happy to get that work and it's it's actually our favorite work to do so if we can help you please reach out so thank, thank you, Woody. As always, it's a pleasure, and, and thank you for agreeing to come on a second time this week. Uh, you know, I, we, we spent a lot of time talking to the good doctor on Monday, and I really wanted to take a dive into that uh, beautiful brain of yours on, on, the, uh, on the local market. So thank you, and I'm looking forward to doing this again next month when yes, we, take, we take a look at because uh, we're going to do month over month and, and then at the end of the year or the beginning of next year to see uh, see who's right here. Yeah, I've got some new stats I'm going to run for you, ooh, too. Um, ooh. Ooh, I've, I just got to chill I'm, up my I'm back. really interested in withdrawns and, and, uh, and yeah. removed uh, listings and how, what's actually going on with that. I think we're probably going to see more of those. Woody Fincham, Fincham & Associates, Keith Smith, Yes Realty Partners, Judah Wickhauer. Guys, thank you kindly for joining us. Judah, thanks again, man. Absolutely. That's uh, Real Talk with Keith Smith, archived online at realtalkwithkeithsmith.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us on a Wednesday. Take care, everyone.
us when the mics are off, the cameras are off.